Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here on this Sunday afternoon as the Los Angeles Clippers close out their first round matchup with the Dallas Mavericks. They knock off the Mavs in six games and a final score of 111 to 97, a game in which the Clippers led by 20 plus, and then the Mavs cut it to six. And we'll talk about why. A little bit later on with Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film, our usual Sunday guest. But the Clippers got Kawhi Leonard going in the second half. He was absolutely tremendous. 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 steals. He is magnificent. And he is actually just the second player to put up those numbers. You know who the other one is? Michael Jordan. Those are the only two players that put up those numbers in a playoff matchup. Marcus Morris got ejected for a flagrant two on Luka Doncic, and we got to see the Clippers play Reggie Jackson 27 minutes because of that. Also, some Jermichael Green minutes. So overall, we learned a lot about this team in this series. Doc made some adjustments, some better than others, and some adjustments he didn't make. And we'll talk about the Montrez Harrell conundrum that we discussed last week with Justin. We'll talk about that once again. But the Clippers end up getting the win, 111-97. to And look ahead now to either Denver or Utah. If you listen to our podcast on with Yovan, just a couple of days ago, we discussed which matchup might favor the Clippers more. We'll ask Justin as well to get his take because it's going to be an interesting series no matter what. And I tend to think that this series with the Mavs actually may be tougher than a series with either Utah or Denver. But obviously a lot to figure out between now and then. And of course, Patrick Beverly may be back as well. And that changes the rotations completely for the Clippers. Before we get to Justin, boy, I got to tell you guys something. There has been a time where you take out those scissors and you want to groom maybe below the belt, even maybe above the belt, and you happen to have an accident. And there is one place that can save you from that happening. That is Manscaped. Their engineering team just perfected the greatest hair trimmer ever created, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Whether it's hair down there or hair up there, the premium Lawn Mower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light so you can see Perfectly clear what's going on down there. And of course, it's made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. I want you to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the perfect package kit, 
you get two free gifts. Not one, you get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of one of my favorite parts of the collection. It's amazing. They have optimal temperature control with their crop cooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. It's amazing what they're doing over there at Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Now, let's talk some hoops. Clippers basketball with Justin Wilson. You can read him at LA Clippers Film on Twitter. He is one of the best follows on Twitter, knows his hoops. He joins us every single weekend throughout the Clippers playoff run. And Justin, we were saying that we hope the next time you join me, it would be with the series being over. And thank goodness it is. Jeez. I mean, I mean, the, the Mavericks are like, that was a hell of a series, man. I'm yeah. just glad that it's over. And I'm glad I don't have to see no more of Seth Curry and Trey Bird. Cause good Lord. Yeah, no more Luka, no more Boban. I was sick and tired of every single game having to monitor when Zoo was going out in the first quarter or the third quarter and when he was coming back in because Boban was coming in whenever Zoo was going out and Luka was just dominating because that's what he does and you get a 20-point leave and it's not safe because Dallas can go and hit three after three. Uh, Dallas is incredible, man. They, they got a really bright future ahead with Luca and KP and all the pieces around them, like you mentioned, guys like Trey Burke, Seth Curry, these guys can flat out play. And Dorian Finney-Smith also is a hell of a basketball player. So I'm just thankful that this series is over because that was uh, lots of ups, lots of downs, but the Clippers got the W. Yeah. And I mean, just like, you know, they're missing like, Jalen Brunson, they're missing um, um, Powell, who was good for them this year, and who tore his Achilles. So they weren't, and obviously KP was out as well. So they weren't even fully healthy, and so that's gonna their their team is gonna be a factor in the West. And they've got they've got Luka Doncic there on a rookie deal, and depending on what they can do front office wise, they'll definitely be a factor for for years to come. But I'm 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 just glad that we got by a team who, despite their ranking as a seven seed, were clearly better than that. They played better than seven seed ball all year. And I kind of figured this was gonna be a tough series, but here we are, on to the second round. And there's a reason why everyone was afraid of them because of that historic offense. And this was one of the first games we saw the Clippers really engaged defensively. I mean, they were very good. I think there was a stretch of about 17 minutes where they gave up about 20 points total. I mean, when you can do that, it shows you, and that's what's so frustrating about this entire series when we've, I mean, even last week when we talked, is that the Clippers are capable of doing this every single game. They've got the defense. That's why everyone talks about the defense of Kawhi and PG and Zoo. They're capable of doing this and they did it against Dallas, and it gives me hope for the future going forward in the second round, the sem- and the, fi- the co- Western Conference Finals, and then the NBA Finals if you get there. But it gives me hope because the defense, man, was much better today than what we've seen throughout the series. Yeah, I mean, the the they played, to me, the hardest that they've played all series on that end of the floor. And it jumped off the page with how they were able to scramble and recover. And Dallas, you know, they play basically five out. 
with with Kleber um, spreading to the three point line and Dorian Finney Smith spreading to the three point line, and so they really they really spread you out and they really make you um, they really make you work defensively. And I thought that Game Six, for the most part, especially like in that third quarter, you really saw the Clippers um, really playing really hard on that end helping each other running people off the three-point line making dallas have to make extra passes so i think to your point we got a glimpse of how good the clippers could be when they lock in on that end of the floor is it as simple as effort because it really does seem like we know they've got the talent the defensive end is it really just as simple as effort and just communicating not to make stupid mistakes and leaving a player or doing something where you leave an open uh, guy in the perimeter? I mean, is it really that simple? It, it can be at times, but I hate when people um, – This a personal pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. is when people devalue defense solely to effort because defense is complex and then there are habits that um get into the get in the way of things that like you could be playing really hard on that end and as a result you're scrambling and running somebody off the three point line that you actually want to shoot and that leads to a breakdown defensively for example so it's not always like that but obviously what you want is for your team to always be playing hard um i i i think a coach of a coach of mine a long time ago used to say we can live with mistakes that are made when you're playing hard because we can correct those things when you're not playing hard is when the issues really truly arise and i think that's what helped the clippers even when dallas was making their run um and i'm sure we'll get into that but even when dallas was making their run the clippers weren't lacking effort on that end and that kind of is what helped them um, kind of like keep Dallas away. I think the Clippers could have easily folded after Marcus Morris was ejected. And that's really a point where I got very worried when Morris got tossed. We can go back and forth, whether it was a flagrant one, a flagrant two. It was stupid. No doubt about it. Marcus has to be much smarter than that going forward in the playoffs because he is badly needed on the floor. And when he does something silly like that, just because he and Luca have had their back and forth throughout the series, it hurts the team. But the Clippers did not fold in that situation, and they got some big baskets from Jermichael Green off the bench. He was really important right after that ejection. And the Clippers seemed to get settled, and that's when the third quarter opened up and you had Jermichael Green that started. So Doc did a nice job there realizing he probably shouldn't play the three guards, go to Jermichael Green, and we've been clamoring, obviously, for more and more Jermichael. So that was great. So I thought that showed another part of the Clippers where it seems like they are maturing uh, apart from the lack of maturity on Marcus Morris's part, but the fact that they did not fold and that they even got better when Marcus Morris left. Yeah, I mean they they you know you can you can pick and you can pick and choose um, about all of the things you didn't like about this series from the Clippers' perspective, but Dallas is a great team. And like to your point, they really could have folded once Marcus Morris um, got ejected or once they made that run to cut it to six. I mean, it was in the balance. And what the Clippers showed was some great maturity and they showed some real stones um, to be able to handle 
adversity and that's that's good for that's good for the second round and hopefully the conference finals and the NBA finals because it's not going to be smooth and it's going to be turbulent. You're going to have a you're going to have probably another series in which it's really shaky kind of like this one, but that's what the playoffs are all about and they have a phenomenal leader who has balls of steals and that's probably the best thing that you can have come playoff time is having a leader who is so steadfast in his approach and literally lives the phrase never getting too high or getting too low. And that's Kawhi. And so as we follow his lead, I'm more confident than ever that he's going to take us to where we ultimately want to go. So let's go straight into individual performances because there are certain things we need to break down. We obviously have to talk about Kawhi. We have to talk about Zoo. We have to talk about this Trez, Reggie, and Lou Williams lineup. Let's start, though. You just mentioned him. Let's start with Kawhi Leonard. I talked about in the intro that he joins Michael Jordan, uh, and that was in 1989 against the Knicks. Is the only two players in NBA history to have at least 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 steals in a playoff game. And in this series... He went 29 points, 35 points, 36 points, 32 points, 32 points, 33 points. Consistent as hell, shot over 50%. We don't talk a lot about Kawhi Leonard on this podcast because normally it's the fringe players. We're talking about PG struggling. We're talking about Reggie Jackson and the defense. But we need to give props to Kawhi Leonard because there's a reason why the Clippers were picked as the favorites going into this season. And that's because of this man. And he is so damn good. And Justin, it's incredible watching him game in and game out because he does not seem phased by any situation. I mean, the crazy part is that, like, if you watch, like, the first quarter of this game, it took him almost the entire quarter to, like, score his first point. He really came out, like, kind of sluggish. Um, He tried to walk his way into like a foul that was ultimately a travel call in that first quarter. He really was looking sluggish. And then he just he just pours it on. But I mean, the best the I mean, he had 33 points tonight and made one three pointer. And so I think the best compliment that I can give him is he looks like the second three-peat of Michael Jordan right now. And he's like at the peak of his powers. And that's extremely high praise. But like. I mean, you got you're watching a game as 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 much as I like he gets to his spots. And if he gets to a spot, it's curtains. You know, he's one of he's one of the greatest players the league has seen. And he's right smack in the middle of his prime. And as long as the Clippers have him, I feel like they can beat anybody because he played 40 minutes tonight. And that was the thing that I was most anticipating come playoff time was whether or not. Well, I. I knew it was going to happen, but when he and PG played starters minutes and the production that would follow after that, it's really hard to beat a Kawhi Leonard and Paul George-led team when they are play- both playing 40 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. real playoff minutes. So, I mean, that's he's he's Michael Jordan in the flesh, and, like, we're going we're gonna to follow him. And you're, you're right. We don't talk about him that much because you just kind of come to expect that he's going to be great and, like, we shouldn't take greatness for granted, and he's certainly doing his part. And like, yeah, he's a. I'm a huge fan, and depending on who we get next next series, um, I'm all I'm all in. Yeah, uh, he's just so damn good. I mean, his series averages just under 33 points, just over 10 rebounds, five assists, and almost two and a half steals on 54% shooting. His worst shooting night 
in all six games was 10 for 22 in game four. 10 for 22. That's 45% still. So it shows you how good he was in this series. Now let's move on to Zoo. We're staying positive for now. And (laughs) holy cow, man. I mean, finally, we've clamored for this for so long, Justin. We wanted big Zoo minutes. And finally, we got it in this game. He played 33 minutes. 33 minutes. According to Justin Russo, that's the most he has played as a Clipper. Six for eight from the field. He had 15 points, 11 rebounds, zero offensive, which is a little strange. In His plus minus, plus 33 in 33 minutes. The Clippers won this game by 14 points. He was a plus 33. We'll obviously talk about why they only won by 14, and he was a plus 33. But man, dude, we knew Zoo was good. We were waiting for Zoo to play big minutes, and he did not disappoint in this game, Justin. I, I'm finally happy that on the playoff on the playoff platform we are start he can show the world what some of us within clipper nation have seen all year which is that this dude is a defensive player of the year candidate waiting in the wings he's that good on defense he has that great of hands he finishes everything around the rim he's huge he sets great screens um i think i tweeted like maybe like a game or two ago that i'm out of superlatives when it comes to um, Zoo, because he's that he he is that much of a difference maker that without him playing starters minutes, I seriously doubt whether or not the Clippers can win a championship. They're talented enough to win in spite of that, but it becomes so much harder. And especially if they have to play like Jokic in the second round or Gobert in the second round, they're really gonna need him. And the fact that he was able to produce to this level in game six of a playoff series hopefully gives Doc more faith in Zoo to play him in more fourth quarters in um, in playoff games to come. Because I think I, I think I can I think I can safely say this, that the game was really going the other way before Doc brought Zoo back in um, and it was almost looking like. We were going to go to a game seven if he did what he did, if he did what he normally does, which is not play zoo in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, what a series from him. And we we are finally seeing what we've been wanting to see this whole entire time. And hopefully this is not just a flash in a pan and Doc has enough confidence to go with him moving forward because if he does, he is one of the difference makers and one of the huge reasons why I think they are the favorites to win it all. Yeah. Doc made a point to discuss zoo after the game and said how impressed he was and how he had an amazing series. So that's always a good thing that doc sees it. I mean, he's not, he's not dumb. He's an incredible head coach and he'll just see that plus 33 and he knows how important it is to get zoo on the floor and, I think it was important for Zoo to show that he had the fitness for 33 minutes, and we'll see how many minutes he plays later on in this series. One change that happened early on in Game 2 was Landry Shamit entering the starting lineup in place of Reggie Jackson. Landry was a plus 21 today, and he had nine points. He hit three threes, four assists, a couple of steals. I don't think we have discussed Landry enough in this series, Justin, we know we've discussed Marcus Morris. He had a really good series. Uh, we'd be talking about him even more if he didn't get ejected. We heap pra- pra- praise on Kawhi. 
PG was incredible. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He he's figured things out. 15.7 rebounds and or nine rebounds and seven assists. So when he goes 15, nine and seven and is a plus 22, you know, we finally, we finally have Paul George back. I mean, he clearly was battling some issues off the court, but Landry Shamit is a guy that he played 37 minutes today, Justin. That is a lot of minutes. That's the third most on this Clippers team. And it shows that Doc clearly trusts him. And I don't know if I would have expected him to play 37 minutes in any game going into the playoffs, but it shows you how much now Doc trusts him. Would you, are you happy with the way he's playing or do you think he still has more room to grow? I'm ecstatic with how Landry is playing, but more than anything, I think for a lot of us who sometimes get on Doc's head, I think it shows that he is flexible enough to to do what it to like exercise all of these solutions to potential problems because Landry did not start this series at the at the point position you know what I mean that was Reggie mm-hmm. and he was fluid enough to to go that route but I think with Landry you're you're looking at someone who's incredibly competent and when you're in high level games such as playoff games sometimes you really need just steady competence as far as being able to be a competent defender being in the right spots and being able to hit open shots it sounds simple but like that's an extremely important skill and without Patrick Beverly that is a premium and so I think that's what Landry provided and I also think he allows them to get into deeper offensive sets just because his movement triggers a lot of different actions that otherwise that I don't think other than maybe Paul George that they don't have too many guys on this team that has that level of gravity with their movement off the ball. And, and a lot of that is just natural instinctive that allows the Clippers to get into deeper offensive sets. So for a multitude of reasons, inserting him into the starting lineup has been great. And I think moving forward, even when Patrick Beverly returns, we've got to find a way to keep Landry Shamit engaged, even if he's not going to be a starter, because his movement and his shooting is just too valuable. I mean, three of six from three, a plus 21, and it really did look the part. I think he had a great series, and I think one of the things that turned the series was him jumping into that starting lineup. You just led me into my next point, and we'll kind of group this together because I feel like you have to. Um, with this whole Lou, Trez, and Reggie minutes because Patrick Beverly and his playing time will play a major role in this. And knowing what we know now about how those three have not done well at all this series. I mean, you look at what happened today. Trez was a minus 19. Lou was a minus 15. So those two guys clearly, along with Reggie Jackson, was a minus five. And we'll talk about Reggie in a little bit because the slander on Reggie is going a little bit too far. But <laughs> with Patrick Beverly, when you when he comes back, do you start him? Because I think now, knowing what you know about the defensive unit, if you start Pat Beverly, you're just going to be put into Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamit, Montrez Harrell minutes. And I don't think that's something you want to do. And if you start Landry and bring Pat off the bench, you at least have Pat on the floor with the Reggie and Lou combo if you're going to go that route with Trez as well. So I think it may make more sense to bring him off the bench. What do you think about what Doc should do? Because conventional wisdom says, all right, he's going straight back in the starting lineup. But what we've seen from this bench unit, I'm not sure you can do that. 
So this is a question that other people have kind of posed to me, and I'm going to have to push back a little bit on it. Okay. Only, only because starters play more minutes, Yes. and I think it's imperative that Patrick Beverly play. Like, I, I, I think him playing... I think him playing um, non-starters minutes is a negative. And I think a healthy Patrick Beverly is one of the four most important players on his team. And I think at that point, you, you, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to start someone who's that important to the team. Um, but you're not going to have him for a full complement of minutes. I mean, there's no question about that because I don't think he was playing more than 20 minutes or so before he got hurt, and he hasn't played a ton of competitive basketball over the last several weeks. So l- let's look at just this series coming up because I'm going to assume that we won't see Pat play more than 20, 25 minutes max. True, true. And and I was thinking about that the other day. He has not played a lot of a lot of on-court time in or- in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. He has not played. It feels like he hasn't played at all, honestly, um, yeah. Pat Bev. But I, if he starts, I'm looking at a second unit that's really something that, you know, I, I honestly, that's why Doc gets paid the big bucks. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe it comes at the heels of uh, of Reggie Jackson's minutes being um being being bled into. You know what I mean? Like a second unit of mostly Sham um, with Lou and, and Jamichael um, and, and you throw some Trez in there. I, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't thought too I haven't thought too deep about that. Um, but Landry Shamit has done well enough to where if that if they made the move to like bring Pat off the bench. I wouldn't be opposed to it, at least initially. I would, I, w- I wouldn't be mad to see how that looks. But he's so good with the starters that I, I, I want, I want to see, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Then that, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I understand. By the way, Patrick Beverly has not played more than twenty minutes in twenty three seconds, and that was in that game against Dallas. And that was we has not played that many minutes since. March 10th, and that's when he played 20 minutes and 41 seconds, and the game before that was 26 minutes and 14 seconds. So he is not going to play big minutes when he comes back. There is no question about that. I would be very surprised if he was not back for game one. So to continue, what would you do? Because if you're going to start Patrick Beverly, you've got to figure out the rotations. And I think you and I were talking about it briefly during the game on Twitter. Is it as simple as taking Zoo out earlier and bringing Montrez Harrell in to, for this group and then bringing Zoo in with this bench unit because I still think your perimeter defense is not going to be good with Zoo on the floor with those other guards. And the reason why Zoo was so important to take out early in this series was because of Boban. And we're not going to have that be a problem in the next round, really no matter what, whoever you, whether it's Denver or Utah. So the rotations are going to be important. How do you solve this problem? Because it is a very big problem, and I don't know how you solve it. I think, I think what you just alluded to is a big help towards that. Um, rim protection, rim protection, and defense in general from the five position is probably the most important in the NBA. You can't win without it, and. If you if if you take Zoo out early, 
and have him as some support for that second unit with those guards, that'll go a long way towards not making sure making sure that the second unit defensively isn't a train wreck. Because again, like you can lose games in which in which in like six minutes from a bad six minute stretch in the second quarter. Every minute is vital. And so for me, that's probably the first adjustment I would do is trying to get Zeus some more minutes with the second unit mm-hmm. and seeing how that works because it feels like I'm 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 going crazy with Zoo, but like it feels like whenever he's on the floor, things are just fine. Things yeah. are just better, especially defensively when he's on the floor. And I don't think Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams would be nearly as bad if they were supported by like Jamichael Green and Zubat. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree. And I think another thing you can do is you can start Pat, play him for about four minutes or so, four or five minutes, and then bring in Lou. And then you can have Pat come in in the second quarter and play some minutes there as well. So I think there there's some stuff that Doc can do. And this is when he's going to have a lot at his disposal and try to figure things out. Because Montrez Harrell has struggled. I mean, there is no doubt about that. He's not doing enough offensively to offset the damage that's happening defensively when he's on the floor. And it's not all his fault. I mean, it really is not. It's just the simplest way to solve this is to do zoo in for Trez with the bench unit because something's got to happen. You cannot continue to have Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell because if this continues to go on, the teams are going to be better and better that you face as you go towards the NBA title. And the more mistakes that you make with rotations and who plays and who doesn't, the harder it is to overcome that, Justin. I think that's the reason why we continue to harp on this is because if you continue to do this, you mentioned it during the game, you get what's coming, and we know what the problem is, and it has to be solved between now and the next round. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you You can't play those three together. Um, real big minutes, especially when you start playing against the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Lakers or something like that. That that's that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, I'm a little bit more cynical when it comes to the outlook in regards to Trez, as far as what he can actually do to help us come yeah. playoff time. Um, I'm having a hard time finding where he fits for us. But he's going to play anyway, and so if he has to play, then I think it's very important that you kind of, like, find a way to put Zoo's minutes more with the bench and let Trez play more with the starters and break up that trio right there, that threesome there, because at the end of the day, if he has to play, then I think that's that's the role that he's going to have to play. And I'm I'm not so sure that Trez should be playing anyway, but... That's a that's probably another story for another time. Yeah, and by and the I, way, what everybody keeps doing is they keep going after Lou, Trez, and Reggie and saying, there's no way, you can't keep doing this, you can't play them at all. It's like, you kind of have to, because last time I checked, those are the players coming off your bench, and the starters need to rest, so you can't play these guys 48 minutes. Everyone clamming, or bring Kawhi back in the game, bring Zoo back in the game. Zoo can't play 48 minutes. Like, these guys need to rest. And these bench players are going to have to learn to play together. There has to be something done. I, 
I, I think that is the case for Lou and Reggie. I don't think that's the case for Trez, though. I don't. I don't. Why? And that's they. Uh, I, today is a little bit different because Marcus Morris um, obviously got ejected. Yeah. But if the Clippers are healthy, I think they have enough centers between Jamichael Zoo and Marcus Morris to not have to play Trez virtually at all he's not it, he's gonna play just, though justin you know he's gonna no, he play so, so as much is. as we want to discuss that i mean he we have to kind of go off the assumption he's gonna play so it's more of figuring out how can they make it work knowing he's gonna play right right and i think the suggestions that we threw out there hopefully we see them yeah um because he's definitely he's definitely gonna play and and don't and i'm not i'm not trying to rag on trez i think he definitely has some some value it's 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 hard to see given the matchups, but he definitely has some value, and I think Doc Rivers needs to help him out and help the team out by breaking up that threesome of guys. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about our friends over at my bookie. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. MLB just has about one month left of the season before their playoffs begin. One more day until the trade deadline for MLB, and we see who is a contender, who is a pretender. The NHL playoffs are going on. The Premier League starts in September. Lots of sports to bet on. The U.S. Open and tennis is around the corner. So many things to look forward to. And with sports going on, that means it's your chance to bet on these sports. And you can do so over at MyBookie. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet. You win, they pay. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That is the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. It's so easy, easy code to remember. MyBookie, a place that has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and they want you to win some money, whether it's a bet before the game starts, or it's live betting, or it's a prop. You can bet on it all, and my bookie makes it so easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Remember, the promo code is HOOPBALL when you go and sign up at my bookie. Jermichael Green, by the way, was a plus 20 off the bench in 14 minutes. So we continue to talk about Jermichael Green and how good he is, and he can spread the floor. He is a guy that seems like he is going to get every single rebound. He fights down low for rebounds. He's a guy I want on the floor in every single series. So whether that means Montrez Harrell only plays 10 minutes, then so be it. And by the way, in today's game, Montrez Harrell played 14 minutes and was a minus 19. So I think the most we should see him play, to your point, is probably 15 minutes max, is for Montrez Harrell. I think you can figure it out with Zoo, Marcus Morris, and Jermichael Green. I think that's the biggest thing for the Clippers going forward, is figuring that out. Um, I want to move on to next round. We, we've broken down, I think, pretty much everything from this one. I want to look ahead. I had Jovan on the podcast on Friday, and we were quickly previewing Denver versus Denver or Utah and which team we would rather see. And what I said is that I would rather face Denver. And the only reason why, and actually there's two reasons, they kind of go hand in hand. Number one, Donovan Mitchell very much gives me the Luka feels. 
and I have no interest in facing a guy that can put up 50 points in any single game that he wants to. No interest in doing that. He can become the second best player in the series, and I have no interest in dealing with that. Number two is that Gobert can get Zoo in foul trouble. And again, I want nothing to do with that. Jokic, I'm not as concerned about that one because he'll step out, he'll do what KP did, and we didn't really see Zoo get into foul trouble against KP. But Gobert can get him into foul trouble, and that would mean the center conundrum that we've discussed this entire podcast. So I would rather face Denver. Utah is up 3-2. Who would you rather face? <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say Utah, man. Yeah? I am. Okay, why? I am. I am. Uh, that, the, the reason why is almost because what you mentioned, but in a different way. like With Murray and Jokic? I, <laughs> well, 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 I would the reason why is because with Utah, I don't think they have the wing defenders at all to um I don't think Denver does either, but yeah. they but Utah is really really light on the wings when it comes to having guys who can guard um Kawhi and Paul George and I think the whole foul thing, this is what I meant. Like, I, I agree with that, but I actually think that's more applicable to Jokic than it is to Gobert because Gobert is like Rudy is more of a pick and roll guy. He's going to he's going to roll. But, you know, Denver is going to feature Jokic and he's going to get his he's going to get his fair share of touches on a block. He's going to get his touches on the elbow. He's going to pick and pop. And like that puts a lot of pressure on Zoo. And that, to me, is more likely to get in foul trouble than Rudy Gobert, who does a lot more of his stuff just picking and rolling and things like that. And I think that, along with the fact that the Clippers have enough size on the wings to throw at Donovan Mitchell, um, makes me a bit more comfortable with the Utah um, matchup. Just because Utah doesn't have the wings on us, they don't have the wings to compete with, with the Clippers, and their bigs are less likely to get Zoo in foul trouble. And I think we can hopefully um, contain Donovan Mitchell with the wings that we have. So Here, that's kind of where I stand there. That makes sense. It, it does make sense. And it kind of makes, the way you just described it, makes me feel like Denver is way more similar to Dallas. And that I think Luka probably is the best player between those two teams. There's no doubt about it. So Jokic is incredible, though. I think Jokic is better than KP. It's not even that close there. Um, it just seems like Denver is kind of a little bit better than Dallas, but because you just faced Dallas and you went through the ups and downs, perhaps, I don't know if you're saying this, that maybe you've learned from your mistakes or you know how to game plan better against a Denver team than you would a Utah team just because Denver is so similar to Dallas. I think Dallas is better than both of these teams, honestly. Yeah. I think Dallas is 100% better than Utah and Denver, um, and I think Dallas poses a, a lot more issues as far as um, dribble penetration. They spread you out. Um, there's a lot of shooting all over the floor. And I think, you know, Utah shoots the ball well, but they're not they're not they don't have the personnel that Dallas has. And like I said, once you face Luka Doncic and you get through that, I think I think it's a sigh of relief almost. Um, but like either either team poses unique challenges that um, aren't going to be easy for the Clippers. And, you know, I, 
I I I lean Utah as far as who I who would I would I would prefer, mm-hmm. but like you know Denver Denver has its own set of um issues that they uh that they pose to the Clippers as well. Yeah, Ingles is a pain in the neck, and put him with Mitchell, and obviously Mike Conley has been pretty good over the second half of the season. Go Bear, they've got a really good team. They don't have Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is a big miss for them. But I, I may eat these words, Justin. But I don't think either team has a bench. Utah has Jordan Clarkson, who can get hot in a hurry, and he is very much um, just he'll just chuck up anything he can. But apart from Jordan Clarkson, there's no one really on either bench that scares me. And I think that's one thing that really does help the Clippers because clearly we've seen the bench unit has been the problem. And there's not going to be a Seth Curry or a Trey Burke, I don't think, within these two teams. Would you agree or disagree? I agree. I I agree with that. And um, that's a great point by you, because I was one of that's one of the reasons why I was like, if we get past Dallas, this next series should be should be a bit easier for the Clippers just because of the pressure that these teams don't apply, especially coming off of their benches, because. You know, you you've got you've got Seth and Trey and they're they're dribble penetration and they're shooting. It's right. It's hard for me to imagine. um, It's hard for me to imagine either team against the Clippers being this good. And it really showed why Dallas had the best offense of all time this year. And, you know, I don't think I don't think Denver and Utah will play up to that level. And I don't think Denver or Utah has a Luka Doncic um, to destroy the Clippers um, defensive defensive attacks. So the bench thing is is one that the Clippers should win. Um, Ironically enough, I felt like the Clippers got some really big bench shots from Reggie Jackson today. And I think that'll carry on. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why I like the Clippers big time against either Utah or or Denver. Yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell is the one guy that can really hurt you just like Luka did. But really quickly, the four guys that came off the bench for Utah last game, Jordan Clarkson, Gorgis Niang, Tony Bradley, and Morgan. Jawan Morgan. Those are the four guys that came off the bench. Now for Denver... Michael Porter Jr., who is very good offensively, but you can attack him whenever you want defensively. Torrey Craig, P.J. Dozier, and Miles, or rather Mason Plumley. Those are the four guys that came off the bench for Denver. So neither of these benches really scare me. Yeah, and I mean, but Denver got a, I think Denver's getting uh, They're Gary getting Harris, Harris back, back yeah, today too. That's big. So that's all the other reason why I think, yeah, I think that adds one to your cap as well in terms of your mm-hmm. rep. Yeah, I, did that? I think you listing their bench alone yeah. would have been enough for me to like say, yeah, we we we've got to uh, we've got to play Utah. I mean, because you if you if we have enough defenders, in my opinion, to competently um, control Donovan Mitchell in yeah. a seven game series, and outside of Donovan Mitchell, it gets it gets kind of shaky when it comes to. Um, when it comes to the, uh, the the Utah Jazz, and this may be a series where Trez can get a little bit more involved playing against second units. He won't see a Boban if, if we get Utah, which I think we will. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, neither of these benches scare me at all. Yeah, you're looking at a, a guy like Royce O'Neal that you're hoping doesn't hurt you. 
he's a good ball player, but it, it doesn't really scare you as much as uh, some of these other guys do that we saw with Dallas. Well, first round's in the books, man. We're looking forward now to the second round, and we'll see when game one is, but I would assume we're going to see Patrick Beverly back for the Clippers, and we'll see what they can do. But Justin, I'm happy that we are talking after a game six victory. It's it's always a pleasure having you on, man, and uh, people can always check you out at LA Clippers Film on Twitter if they want to uh, see what's going on. Always appreciate the time, and thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. This is this is something that I hope continues in the playoffs as long as uh, the Clippers keep winning. Um, this is the first time we've got out this this first round in what, four or five years. Yeah. Something, it's something something crazy like that. Um, but, you know, this we get four down. We got 12 to go. Yes, sir. Four down, 12 to go. Justin Wilson, L.A. Clippers film. Thanks for coming on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation once again with Justin Wilson of L.A. Clippers Film. We will continue to have him on every weekend. I think that's nice for you guys as listeners to know what's coming up at least one time during the week. You know when the podcast is going to happen. It's either going to be Saturday or Sunday, and we're going to most likely recap the game that just finished. So that's something that we're hoping to continue and give you that normalcy where you can go and download it or you it's already downloading if you haven't subscribed to the hoopball clippers podcast already on itunes please go do so give us that five star rating and review it as well but we'll have this podcast along with one other throughout the week so justin will continue to be a fixture and i hope you enjoy his insight because i really do as of now we do not know who the clippers are going to play next round we'll see denver and utah are about to play and we do not know who the Clippers' opponent will be. We do not know when the game will be for game number one. But we will be back next weekend for sure with Justin, and we'll be back one more time before that, just a matter of when the Clippers will play that game one against either Denver or Utah. Don't forget, you can always follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus, at HoopBallClips is where you can find the HoopBall Clippers podcast on Twitter. A big thank you for you, the listener, joining us. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus and Go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.